Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. If you will, turn with me and grab your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 18. The book of Luke chapter 18, verse 29. I'm in the New King James. If you don't have it, we have it up here for you this Sunday. We're going to talk about Jesus and the reason why he was born. When we end this series today, we're going to be very simple, but yet profound and fundamental for your faith. How many of you recognize in your life that there are basically uh, very simple principles, and we call them doctrine, that we need to believe on in order to have a good foundation to build our life on? How many of you believe in good foundations? That's what the Word of God is. It builds good foundations. And there's, a, there's something in this portion of Scripture we're going to extract from the book of John in this 18th chapter. Verse 29, Pilate then went out from them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If, if, you, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, Take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So that was the end result. That's our whole focus. They wanted to crucify Jesus. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what death he should die. But then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? In other words, Jesus was asking him, Do you feel like this is a revelation or are you just going by what other people say? Because most of the time when God shows us who he is, it's a divine revelation. So maybe Jesus was trying to reach out to Pilate in this moment and tell him that God deals with everybody and he's dealing with you. Because his wife came up to him, if you know the story, and even said beforehand, leave this man alone. I had a dream about him. So God was even trying to reach him. And then he goes further and says, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? That was the pressing question. He wanted to know, are you a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who hear who is of the truth hears my voice. The reason why Jesus was born 
was to be king. But before he became king, he had to first die and give everything up that he had in position freely that God could restore to him in a kingdom that would never end. We're going to talk about this today. Will you simply say, God bless this service right now? Just say, God bless it. Anoint the word. Touch my heart. Give me a clear understanding in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap before you sit down again. Come on, he's so worthy all the time. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to start. I'm going to go ahead and get right into it and give you the first point. I only have three, and I'm going to give it to you. And if you'll get with me, you'll be out of here really quick. It doesn't take long to do, for God to do a work. It really doesn't when we get with it, right? For all of you watching online, we want you to participate. We want you to get involved in all of those that are working and the scenes behind the scenes. They'll recognize your amens and hallelujahs. And even if you don't believe it, say, I believe it. It helps me. I'm glad you're here because if you weren't here, I had no one to preach to and talk to. I'm glad Jesus is here because if he wasn't here, you wouldn't be here. I'm so thankful that the presence, you didn't get wrapped up in that and stay home on a Sunday. It's nothing like coming into his presence, getting wrapped in him, right? Nothing like it. Our king was born to die. Our king was born to die. A lot of people really don't get the concept of why we celebrate the birth of Christ the way we do. The reason why we celebrate it is because we have a full understanding that Jesus did something. Not only did Jesus do something, but he knew what to do even before his birth. His parents knew, earthly parents, they understood why, why God gave this child, why God blessed them. Joseph and Mary were really stewards. They were stewards of, of this baby, this baby that would one day become the sacrificial lamb, much like, like we've been taught of that sacrificial lamb that the family would raise throughout the year. They had their eye on that one lamb. That one lamb had to be taken care of, had to be fed correctly, had to be exercised. That If you look at the 4-H clubs now, if any of your children has ever been involved with 4-H, if you've ever had a family member or even your family raise an animal for the livestock show, um, that animal requires a lot of attention. Uh, it's like having a baby, and you have to make sure that the baby eats well, the baby is healthy. And can you imagine the pressure that was on Mary and Joseph, not only with this baby be born to do the miraculous and show off the power of God, but this baby would be the lamb that would save their people from their sin. This is what Joseph was given, the information from the angel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. I'm going to recite this again. We talked about it this past week, but I have to give it to you again and, and, and listen to what the angel told him as he considered what to do. Sometimes God has to give us the truth and give us the direction and the purpose. In this moment, Joseph was confused. In this moment, Joseph didn't know what to do. Joseph had options. When a person has options, then the choice that God's given them, 
they have a choice to ignore it. That's why you have to get rid of the options in your life. You must get rid of the options because if you have an option, you can easily choose something else over God. But the angel came in to make sure Joseph didn't make that mistake. So he said to him, as he considered this, what the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, as he was considering what to do because Mary had been given a child. You know the rest of the story. And Joseph, the angel said, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. Now I don't know if they knew exactly how he would save their people, how he was going to be used, but it was very evident through the scriptures that God would send someone to do something and as time went on, Jesus himself revealed it to people who heard him, to his disciples around him, that he would lay down his life. Not only just lay it down, but he would have pleasure in doing it. One place in the scripture, it says that Jesus said to everyone, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. And they totally missed what he was trying to say. Because most of the time, God speaks to us in a spiritual sense. God speaks to our spirit, and our flesh can't comprehend what the spirit is trying to tell us. We can miss a word from God. We can miss it when we're in our flesh. We can miss God's direction when we are in our flesh. For that reason, that's why you and I come to church. We come to church to allow God to keep our spirit strong, to keep our spiritual senses attuned to him. We, if you will, in other words, come here to be recalibrated and make sure that we stay on track. Church is a place not just to feel good in your conscience. Church is a place to get realigned with God's will in your life. Church is a place where we come in to receive instruction not give it, but receive instruction. Church is a place where we allow our hearts to be cleansed. We allow the Spirit of God to touch us, to move on us, to give us the righteousness of God to be able to tell Him, Father, forgive me for my sins. It's by the presence of God that He softens the heart it's by the presence of God that he's able to mold us and shape us through his love. Through the love of God, we come in and then we get to understand and comprehend and have a true revelation of what the death of Jesus did for us. The scripture says, for scarcely would anyone die for a righteous man, but yet God, while we were yet sinners, now, that was speaking to the church in that day, speaking about the disciples and the apostles and all of his followers. But that still applies to you and I. Because how many of you know that God doesn't, he didn't just fill that space and time chronologically, chronologically, but he filled, he filled a space and time for eternity. 
and he saw you and I from way back then. Not only did he die for the sins of those around him, he died for the sins of those for the future as well. Let me clarify for you very quickly. God is the God of who is omniscient, he is omnipotent, and has all power, and he is everywhere, and he knows all things, and he knew you before you were born. He knew both of us. Before you gave that first cry, before you breathed in your first breath, before you were able to take your first step, God knew who you were and why you were born. When someone knows their purpose, life becomes much more easier. For Jesus, he knew. At the age of 12, we saw him walking into the synagogues, talking to the lawyers, telling them all the things that they went to school for, all the things that they had got their doctorate in. A 12-year-old child walked in and mesmerized all of the intellects. And all of them said, in the scripture it said, where did, the, where did this young boy get this kind of wisdom? Then when his parents arrived again, he told them, when they asked him, where have you been? He said, I was about my father's business. He knew his purpose. That's why dying for him was easier. Although he had a struggle, he did struggle because at the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed a prayer and said, Father, please take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not your will, but my will. Not, not my will, but your will be done. And that was a surrender. Our king came to die. In other words, he came prepared to give his life for you and I. He was prepared to go the full length, to go to the extreme reach, to go through every trial with you and I in mind. Finding and knowing his purpose of what gave him the edge while walking on this earth. When someone is lined up with the will of God in their life, God will back them in everything that they do. Jesus never faced the devil he couldn't overcome. Jesus never faced a disease or a sickness that he couldn't heal. And the reason why is because the Father was continually pleased with the Son. And the Son had the ability to empty heaven if necessary, to call legions of angels if necessary, to walk on water as he did, to just go through, pierce through darkness, go to the, depth, the very depths of hell and come out of that darkness into a marvelous light of rulership and kingship that he was destined for from the very beginning. It was his purpose. It was his calling. He was meant to be king, but before he was king, he would first have to die. So much easier, so much easier for you and I to what we do right now. So much easier. But to have that kingship relayed to us is the true gift. That now that he lives inside of you and I, that's why he went to die. To live in us, to establish his right inside of us. Point number two, only a love for truth will reveal his authority as king in your life. 
only a love for that what I just gave you. A love for him because we appreciate that even from a child, he was sent with the purpose, and that purpose was you. You were the reason. You and I were the very reason. And when that simple statement can be revealed to your conscience, because we can all say Jesus is Lord, right? How many of you have ever said God is in control? But have you ever had a grip on the revelation that the Spirit has spoken to your spirit and shifted your faith, and you can face a problem and smile and say, God is in control. There is a difference between saying and thinking God is in control versus having the Holy Ghost have full control of your heart and repeating your stance. Did I say that too? Because that you understood what I just said? I'll say it again. There is a difference between having this talk about a healing and then being healed. There's a difference between talking about miracles and being a miracle yourself. There's a huge difference between seeing the blessings in your life, but yet encountering the blesser in your life. There's a huge difference when you can say Jesus is Lord and King until you have become surrendered to that kind of authority. In other words, the experience far outweighs what your thoughts and what your words may carry. But when you have a divine revelation, it's because you have a divine visitation. So when we say God died for us, we say it as the recipients of the benefits that came from his death. Someone say mercy. Someone say grace. Someone say love. See, we know what that feels like. We know what that is like. We know what it is to walk into church, raise our hands, and feel something in the atmosphere because we believe that Jesus came. Therefore, a love for him reveals the authority that he has for us as king. You see, a king has power, a power, the power to destroy and the power to build. A king, what the word of a king is, the scripture says there is power. When God says something, nothing can stand before him. That's why Jesus, when he walked in this earth, he had a revelation. He knew who he was. He knew why he came. He knew the assignment. He came to do the Father's will. Therefore, everything he did didn't fail, but it prospered. That same principle applies to you and I. When we love simplicity of his deity and what he has done, you can spend a lifetime just focusing on the one commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one, to love your neighbor as yourself. You can spend your whole life on those two things and stay busy, pursuing, going, obtaining. While too many people, they look for the signs. When the scripture says signs follow them that believe. And we choose and we have because we have so many options. And we choose different ways. And thank God he allows U-turns, turnarounds, do-overs. 
He's the God of second chances. How many of you have ever had a second chance in your life? Rather, let me ask you this. How many of you have had a number of second chances in your life? Because God allowed you to start over. God allowed you to go back. And wouldn't it be so much better that we just get it right the first time instead of trying to make our own way, instead of trying to open up our own doors, instead of trying to make our own opportunities present themselves? But, you know, if we follow God's will, if we do what he says and just simply fall in love with him, one day you'll look back and you'll say, my God, I've got a lot of signs behind me. I remember the time that God protected me. I remember the time that God provided for me. I remember the time that God healed me. I remember the time that God did a miracle for my children and for my family. And that's the way it should be. But instead, here's what we allow ourselves to do. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 2 says this. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. We all think we're right. But the Lord weighs the hearts. But God is really the one who understands. And I think most of us will actually weigh in and allow God to just tell us what's right and wrong. I think that's what the most of the stance is for most people here. I really do believe that when we feel like we're wrong, we just want to be right in the eyes of God, right? I mean, how many of us have stopped and said, Lord, if it's me, let me know. If I'm the problem, let me know. Because that kind of prayer takes a lot of courage and strength. But the good thing is, is that we have a loving father who accepts that and says, you're wrong and here's what you need to do right. Having the ability to stop long enough to consider, is this God's will or is it not God's will, is a very, very wise thing to do. But you wouldn't have an option. I wouldn't have an option had Jesus not come and die for you and I. That's the miracle. And that's why we celebrate. And that's why we go beyond Christmas. And that's why we wake up every day of the year and say, thank you, Jesus, for another day. Thank you, Jesus, for direction in my life. See, I think a lot of times we wake up and we try to do catch-up praying. How many of you have ever done some catch-up prayers? You know what catch-up prayer is? That's when you do something and then you pray God to bless it. That's when you make a decision and then you hope that God said yes. Okay, nobody's going to give in. To, nobody's done that before. I've done that a lot of times. I've done that too many times. In fact, I've done it enough to know not to do it again. I, just, I don't know about you, but I know me. I have to learn the hard way. I'm stubborn sometimes. I'm hard-headed. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No one said amen to that. You don't know me. But you know you. And when you recognize, hey, I'm stubborn. I need help. I, I need someone to tell me right and wrong. See, great men are men that have authority, and they're also under authority. Those are great men. That's why the centurion guard had great faith, because he knew how to submit, and he knew how to give commands. Your ability as a man 
is found in your ability to submit. That's where the strength of a man lies. Not a woman, a man. A man's strength is found in his ability to submit to authority. That first authority in your life is Jesus. And when you can submit to him and receive instruction from him and receive guidance from him through the word of God, because this is an expression of truth. Truth is a person. Pilate asked, what is truth, right after that scripture text I read you. Jesus said, the truth is, I'm king, and that reason I was born. I was born for this reason, but I can't see this thing come to pass unless I go and get crucified first. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm the truth, right? If there's one thing God can't do, God can't lie. The hardest thing for us to accept is most of the time is that, that God would allow his son to go through trying moments to get his place, to get to his place of authority. Many of us have to go through the same process that Jesus went through, not to the extreme because he gave his life for you and I already, but sometimes you will never receive that anointing in your life unless you first go through trouble. And God knows it. God knows unless you become uncomfortable, you're never going to develop, you're never going to grow, you're never going to pray, you're never going to fast, you're never going to grow and get to another level in your life without having a problem. So it's not that God sends the problem, it's that God allows you to sometimes make the problems. It's like God said, you ever been here before, have you ever thought to yourself, I'm going to do this, I don't care what anybody says, and you're like waiting on God to tell you no, and it's like the Lord says, go ahead. Have you ever been in that place before? Where you said, I'm going to do it anyways, I don't care what the repercussions are, I'm going to do it anyways. And you're like, in the back of your mind, you're like, you're hoping God will give you a sign not to do it, but it's like the Lord says, go right ahead. Like your kids when they were little, I'm leaving. I don't want to be here no more. You're mean. I don't, I don't want to be here. I'm going to go. Go. <laughs> Our oldest girl, Haley, Haley, she's ran away, I think, like three times. She ran away like three times. Every time when Haley was little, she'd get mad. She, I'm leaving. I'm going. And the only thing she grabbed was a teddy bear <laughs> and thought that she could survive just her and her teddy bear. See, that's what children do. Children know that all they need is love or someone that loves them or something they can love. And see, with us as children, it's the love of God that caused us to go outside the boundaries because we know that when we step outside the boundaries, the loving God's going to bring us right back around. So we're not afraid to make mistakes. That's why we're not afraid because of the grace of God in our life, the mercy of God in our life. But the problem we've got in the church is that we didn't realize that God gave us a purpose and he has a plan. Because all of our ways seem right, but God has already picked out a plan. See, God laughs at your plans, our plans. God looks at our plans and goes, that's nice, but that's not what I have planned for you. But can we... Allow God, or would you allow yourself, or can we just this next year get into a mode of 
not my will, but your will be done in my life this year. And see how far we get. And see what God can do. Can we this year go, you know, I'm going to stick to God's plan. I'm going to put him first. I'm going to do the right thing, not the popular thing. I'm not going to worry about trying to be politically correct. I'm not going to argue with anybody, but I'm going to worship him and put him first. My opinion doesn't matter. My thoughts on this view doesn't matter. All that matters is, is what the word of God says. My opinion doesn't matter. When people try to trick me up with something, they'll ask me a question, a politically uh, controversial question. What do you think about this? My first response is it doesn't matter what I think. All that matters is what God says about it. And they're kind of like, hmm, I wasn't expecting that. You're very smart. Very good. (laughs) You put yourself in a place where nobody can touch you and nobody can stop you when you're in the will of God in your life. And you get rid of your own thinking, your own earthly wisdom, and stop thinking you know it all. Here it is. See, I learned as I get older, I don't know as much as I used to. When I was younger, I thought I knew it all. My first pastor, when I got into church, my first pastor called me out one time, and he just told me, he said, son, you're as proud as a peacock. I don't know how to take that. And so I thought about it, and I thought, you know, he's right. I'm very proud and arrogant. I think I know it all. I think there's nothing I can't do. I think I look good all the time. Some of you don't look around, just keep looking forward. (laughs) I'm the kind of person, I'm just putting myself out there, because some of you need to put yourself out there, too. I'm the kind of person, if someone looks around, and they're talking about me, and they turn back around, I'm thinking, oh, they must like my shoes. You must be saying, that's a big guy. He's built. (laughs) My wife said, you're so vain. I said, I can't help it. I just think (laughs) think the people saying good things about me. I don't know. Got it from my mom. My mom was horrible at that. She'd walk around like everybody was just, anyways, I miss my mama. (laughs) My point is, is that our ways are always different than God's perspective. We look at ourselves and think we're right when we're not right. The heart, above all things, can be deceitful. I'm trying to get off this point, but the Holy Ghost won't let me get off of it for some reason. Maybe it's because in our life right now, we need to get to a place of transparency and brokenness and humility and realize that we don't have it all together. But if we know that we don't know everything, then that's what makes us dependent on God. Here's a scripture for that. Trust in the Lord in all your ways. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Whoever this is for, this is for someone here or watching online, I feel it very strongly. You have been trying so hard to try to market and make something happen when the key to the success of what God's called you to do is to simply put him first and fall in love with him and start making him a priority in your life instead of putting him second. Not just the first part of the morning, but the first part of the entire day. This will change everything. Then you'll start to understand 
how God feels about you. And that's the third point. God, he set us free to serve and worship him alone. Alone. He doesn't want any other gods in our life. Now, let me explain this to you. I think the best way to explain it is found in Exodus chapter 20. Look at this. In the New Living Translation, listen to what it says. Then God gave the people all these instructions. This is right before they're going into the promised land. They came out of Egypt. Consider this. Coming out of Egypt, there was false worship to false idols, to false gods. And that mentality could have influenced God's people. Although God heard the cry of his people in Egypt. So not everyone was persuaded to worship a false god. The only time you find out what was really in their hearts is when they were in the wilderness. I'll come back to that. Remember that. Because the only way you and I can really find out what's in our heart is through our trials. But God told them beforehand, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt. How many of you got delivered from the land of Egypt in your life? Come on, how many of you remember where God brought you from? See, this is a type. This is a type of where God brought us out of. But listen to what you and I were. Listen to this. He said, I am the Lord your God who rescued you, rescued you from the land of Egypt, a place of your slavery. That's what sin does. It makes you a slave. You must not take, have any other gods before me. You must not make for yourself any idol of any image of anything in the heaven or in the earth or in the sea. The next verse says, for you must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Mm -mm. I told the first service this morning, I said, Pastor Dawn is one of the sweetest ladies you'll ever meet until you touch her candy. That's, that's me, by the way. A jealous God. Oh, my gosh. A jealous God. So, you know, he, he doesn't want any of the God. He doesn't want you worshiping anybody else. I still believe that this is true for a new covenant. I still believe this. I still believe that God has, is, is, in fact, he's proven his love for us by dying for us and sending his son. But I believe he doesn't want you to wink, flirt, or stare at another God. See, that God could be anything. For the children of Israel, it was a golden calf. It was a golden calf. For us today, it could be Golden Corral, could be a car, could be a house, could be a person, a relationship, a job, whatever it might be. If it takes the place of worship, takes your heart, takes your affection, brings you satisfaction, establishes your trust and security, you need to rethink it or you need to make sure that you put God first. Oh, I wasn't done yet. Throw that back up there. We'll get it down. Here we go. Now, here's the good part. He's a jealous God. 
and he won't tolerate your affection for any other God. So if you feel like you've developed a desire for something, get rid of it because God said, I, I don't, I'm not going to tolerate that. I don't want to deal with I don't want that to be in your heart. You belong to me. I belong to you. And then he says, I lay the sins of your parents upon their children, and the entire family is affected whenever you do this. So your life isn't just to yourself. God says, I'm going to lay the sins and your false worship and let that rest upon your children and their children. And listen to what he says. The entire family is affected. I've noticed that. I've noticed in my life and all the years of living for God and being a dad, I have seen this happen. When I do wrong, sometimes God doesn't strike me, but sometimes God allows craziness and chaos to happen in my family. I'm going to be very real with you right now because I want to help somebody. I have seen God, leave that scripture up there too. I have seen God allow, not do, but take his hand off. When God takes his hand off of something or someone or a family, it's very evident. Sometimes you know when you go through trials together, you know because you'll have an undergirding strength and faith and know what an attack comes from because it doesn't take long for God to turn it around. But there are other times when daddy or mama knows the reason why we're going through this right now is because of decisions that I have made. And you can't tell anybody about it because pride says they're going to think you're a bad dad. You tell another friend, they're going to think I'm just a horrible parent. But you keep it between you and God sometimes and just say, Father, I am sorry. And that's when grown men and grown women become children again. It's when we know how to humble ourselves before God. But I have found that if you know how to approach God at the cross, there isn't a crossroads or there isn't a problem that God won't get you out of. Nothing is too hard for him. But I am not going to allow because this says that this will affect your family. If you worship something else or put something else before God, it will affect your family. And he said that even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me, this will go down further. So no matter how bad it gets, I promise my kids, you are never going to inherit any of my faults and failures and sins in my life. You're not going to carry my junk into your family. My grandkids are going to be blessed. My children are going to be blessed. My children's 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 going to be blessed. Why? Because of this right here, verse 6. But I lavish. That's a strong word right there. What does lavish mean? Lavish means that he's going to pour out. I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. That's what I was trying to tell you earlier. For the person of faith that understands what Jesus did and loves him for what he did and follows his commandments, you're going to look back one day and you're going to say, boy, look, boy, my children, they're flourishing. They're blessed. They're healthy. They're strong. Their marriages are strong. They're gr my grandchildren, 
They have a blessed mind. They have blessed opportunities. Why? Because somebody one day woke up and said, I know what Jesus did for me. I celebrate his birth. I know that he lives with me inside of me, and he came to make a difference. Therefore, my life isn't complicated because I put him first. And when you put him first, he won't mislead you. He won't misguide you because you're not leaning on your own understanding. Listen, I used to think I knew everything. Now I found out I know nothing. And I'm safer that way. I'm better off that way. Because now in the back of my mind, when someone comes to me, the first thing that happens by routine, by just habit, now the first thing by habit, instantly that happens, my spirit tries to connect with him right away. And I ask him, what do you think about this, Lord? Immediately. I don't say it out many times, but my spirit does. It's been trained. Why? Because I've made so many bad mistakes, so many wrong decisions. Let's just be real. We learn from mistakes, or you can learn from somebody else's mistakes. That's why I love my kids, because and I try to help them learn from my mistakes or things that I see. But sometimes, as much as you love your kids, they're going to have to make them on their own. But thank God we have a loving Savior who says, no matter how big your mistake is, come to me and I will give you rest. Confess your sin and I will forgive you. He said if you come to him, he'll cleanse us from all iniquity in our life. He told told Israel, I brought you out of Egypt because I wanted you to worship me and me alone now. This is it. And if you'll keep this, and they were in transition, everyone. Think about this. They're leaving a land filled with false worship, going into a wilderness where there is neither or. They had to establish a new lifestyle because God was fixing to put them into a new land. And there is no way possible that they could defeat the enemies or defeat the opposition that was in their promise unless they learned first how to put him first. And they went through a cleansing. They went through a transition. They had to go through problems. They went through hunger. They never died of hunger because God fed them with manna, but they didn't even know what that was. Probably didn't even have a taste. No salt, no pepper, no comino, nothing. (laughs) And they had water, only water to drink, no lemonade, right? The basic fundamental things, you talk about being disciplined, you talk about being stripped of self, you talk about change. But the reason why God allows change is because he sees what's in your future. Some of you have been sent to this church for transition, to learn how to grow at another level because God has more for you. God has understood. God has understanding of your future. He sees what God, what his plans are for you. But here's what I want you to leave with. The real reason why we celebrate Jesus is because we understand why he was born. And that is the very foundation that you and I need to have in our life. We know the why. Because when you understand the why, the what will come. The what do I do? How do I do it? 
go back to the why. Why you're even here. God, why did you give me life? Why did you give me the mind, the personality, the skills, the people that trained me, the people that raised me, the problems I went through, everything that was there? Why? I'll tell you the end result why. Because most of us have a purpose. And you can always, you can always connect the things you went through to your purpose and reason. Even in the book of Revelation, it says that they overcame by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. The word of their testimony was talking about a testimony is telling someone of the experience of your testing, the trial, the trouble. The area that you've been attacked in the most and God gave you the grace to overcome is your testimony. And by that we call ministry. And by the ministry and the revelation of the blood of what he did, why he was born, is what you're going to overcome this world with. How many of you got that? So don't ever feel like because you have trouble, uh, things aren't going to get any better. No, 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 no. They're going to be much better because of the trouble and the trials that you're going through. You're going to come out better, stronger, wiser. You're going to come out more enlightened. You're going to be more humble. You're going to walk in meekness. And the scripture says the meek inherit the earth because the meek, the meek don't think that they know it all. The meek knows that God holds everything for them in his hands. And as long as you stay connected to God, you'll stay connected to your purpose. And the fastest way to get there is to sell out to God and surrender all. And the faster you can surrender, the faster God will release because he, will he knows that he can trust you. This is all about stewardship. It's not about you being capable. It has nothing to do with that. God knows if you have a willing heart, you can. Nothing's impossible. It's not about your talent or ability or looks. It's about your heart condition. Can God trust you? Moses had to go through the humility of being broken. And then when he couldn't even speak, God says, now I can trust you. Now go get my people. You're ready. But God gave Moses a revelation. He said, when Moses said, who do I tell him sent me? He said, you tell him that I am has sent you. He revealed himself as the I am. I self am existent, the self-existing one, and I will be everything to you. I am going to be your deliverer. I am going to be your provider. I am going to be your healer. I am going to be your wisdom. I am going to be your warrior. I am going to be your army. I'm going to be everything for you, Moses. I'm going to be everything to you. And Jesus is our Moses. And Jesus is the great I am. And Jesus told us, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am your deliverer. I am your healer. I am your refuge. I am everything to you. And that's why you're never going to fail if you learn how to trust me. Will you stand to your feet? There's a revelation. There's an understanding for somebody. 
I'm telling you here this Sunday morning, it's all about trusting him. It's all about understanding why he was born. He was born for you, and he died for you, but he wants to be the way. He wants to be the truth. He wants to be your life. I don't know which way to go. Go to Jesus. He'll show you the way. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm dead. He said, come to me. I'm the life. I don't believe everything they're saying. What do we know? What's true? Go to Jesus. He's the truth. Don't be confused by the media right now. Don't be confused by Hollywood. Don't be confused by all the drama happening right now in politics. Stay focused on Jesus right now. Stay focused on him. Don't be confused about the the pandemic. Stay focused on Jesus. Will you raise your hands right now, everybody? Renew your faith and make him the king again in your life. God is doing a work inside of you. God is doing a work inside of you. Today, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we pray for every soul that's here, for every person listening online right now. God, we pray that you would just surround them with your love, surround them, God, and get rid of confusion, frustration, and make it simple for them. That let them know, God, if they'll just worship you, get rid of every idol in their life, everything that takes our time away from you. God, give them a single heart, not a double mind. Give them a single heart, God, to worship, to worship, to worship you, that you'll begin to make things clear in the name of Jesus. I speak against all distractions. I speak against all insecurities. I speak against all fear. You must leave. You must go. You must surrender in the name of Jesus today, right now, right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody say, I am free. Come on, say it out loud. Say, I am free. Say, I am delivered. Say, I am empowered. I have a life. I have direction in Jesus' name. Now give him a shout of praise in this place. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.